0: Hello, welcome to Train of Thought. My name's Rob Tobias. My guest today is Vip Short. Welcome, Vip. Thank you, Rob. Uh, You're here. We're going to talk about your nonprofit. It's not yours. It's one you're involved with, um, Center for Ethnobotanical Services.
1: Yes, the Edelic Center for Ethnobotanical Services. We were originally calling ourselves the Eugene Center for Ethnobotanical Studies, And then uh, our office uh, got moved over to Springfield, (laughs) so uh, we came up with this word, edelic, which is rather, uh, you know... What does it mean? Well, it it technically doesn't mean much. It's a Greek root, uh, but it tends to mean uh, to make manifest. Uh Uh,
0: Uh-huh. Looking at your website, you came into existence 2015, so Mm -hmm. about four years or so. Right. Um, What... um, what was the need that you saw for creating this nonprofit?
1: profit Well, it's a funny story. Um, two of us got together that had not known each other, and we had a similar problem. We both had large personal libraries, books, and tapes and videos and, and such that uh, were all devoted to this general topic of psychoactive plants and substances Mm -hmm. and this is something i personally have been pursuing since the middle to late 1960s and i'm kind of um, my academic career in my undergraduate years university of washington uc santa cruz i really pursued this because this was um, you know during the so-called flower power revolution years and uh, the Beatles were experimenting with this stuff, singing about it. Those of us who were, you know, uh, culturally uh, tuned in were were going, well, let's check this out. And I began to. I'm kind of an academic type, so I began to accumulate a library. And over the fifty years or so, it got quite large. And uh, at home, I was getting the message what are we doing with all these, this whole hallway full of books that we have to squeeze past, and you've read them all anyway, and you know. Yeah. Well, it turns out there was a, a rather much younger than me man who had the same problem at his end, and we had a mutual acquaintance who happened to be a librarian at my local spiritual center, and she matched us up together. She said, because... Uh, James Joseph, or James Eclipse as he goes by now, um, my co-founder, had uh, spontaneously met this woman and uh, tried to donate his books to her library. She said, we can't really make room for those, but I know a guy who I think has the same problem and I can show you guys how to start an official library, a public library, and it'll be a, a niche, you know, specialty library and it so it kind of went from there it was uh we first saw ourselves as just a a resource center that's very specialty uh as opposed to maybe donating our collections to the eugene public library where maybe they'd throw half of it out and you know whatever
0: and especially having to do with well plant medicine but um Psychedelics, would you say?
1: Yeah, psychedelics is a good word. There are a number of synonyms for that. Uh, Entheogens is popular, and we'll get around to that when I talk about the recent Oakland, City of Oakland, California, decriminalization measure that recently passed. Mm -hmm. They preferred that term, entheogens, which tends to mean uh, generating the the awareness of God within. Mm. Um, psychedelics technically means, uh, it, it was a coined word as, as well. I think it was Humphrey Osmond, a Ca- uh, psychiatrist from Canada in the early 60s, came up with psychedelic, and it means mind manifesting. Yeah. Uh, but you could say psychoactives. You could say um, uh, hallucinogens, which was Terence McKenna's favored term. I'm not sure why he liked that so much. To me, that's a little bit off track, but... Uh,
0: Yeah, but since the '60s, it's been used. um, Well, just uh, taking journeys, or just for our own exploration, entertainment, and uh, um, yeah, just to challenge ourselves (laughs) and change the world. Maybe you might say, but um, but you know, had the stumbling block of being illegal.
1: Right, and um, I just modify what you said. Um, You know, we're definitely because of our particular lifespan uh we look at the 60s and say wow this is where it all started but that's really pretty far from the truth um it's uh when when you look at the whole of human history as far as we can tell um not uh having these um spirit plants or or uh sacred medicines or however you wish to style them not using them and having them in one's culture is actually the anomaly that's the weirdness mm-hmm. and the actuality is for tens of thousands of years if not longer human beings have been utilizing these and uh, <clears throat> scholars like uh, the aforementioned Terence McKenna have made a really good case for we our species may not have even developed language if it were not for the mushrooms that they uh, wind up using as food uh, supplies when they made cross desert uh and savannah treks in the continent of africa and so forth um
0: where i was heading with the question which which i never got to i, I talked about the the journey or the, the for just for personal explanation but uh, a lot uh, there's been a lot of talk lately and even back then i think it was started as a therapeutic thing even uh some of the early experiments but now um um well especially psilocybin i think has been talked about and as having therapeutic um, benefits.
1: Yes, there's been a lot of uh, fairly recent science. Um, The big new bubble kind of popped up around uh, 2006. There was a research team. There still is a research team at Johns Hopkins University in in Baltimore. Um, Strange little uh, quirk there. Uh, the, The guy who headed up the original research for the psilocybin studies there uh, happened to be my older sister's uh, college boyfriend <laughs> back in the uh, late '60s, and uh, he influenced me to go into psychology as a major when I first went off to college because I toured his rat lab at Occidental College in L.A. and saw the really interesting to me research he was doing. Um, he was he was way into brain chemistry already as an undergrad. And then I'm talking, the man I'm talking about is named Roland Griffiths. And for those who look into this uh, book put out a little more than a year ago by Michael Pollan called uh, How to Change Your Mind, you find that the first couple chapters, he starts right off with his uh, interactions with Roland and uh, learns about the psilocybin research and so forth. And it's really expanded since then. uh, There's a whole bunch of academic institutions around the world that are doing psilocybin studies, they're starting to do live uh, brain studies, functional MRI, while people are under the influence of psilocybin and watching the actual brain changes and then being able to measure those as time goes forward, even when, when not under the influence. In other words, a, a single dose, and then months later still finding interesting changes.
0: Right. And this concept of microdosing is also for everything i don't know maybe maybe once you've had a a larger hit of it the smaller and smaller amounts can give you can just subtle insight
1: it's uh yeah it's uh the premise is that um, there these substances are rather native to our central nervous system they're recognized because um, many people don't know our the uh, most central part of our brains, the pineal gland and associated structures, actually manufacture this compound called dimethyltryptamine, DMT, which is very closely related to psilocybin. They're just one chemical step away.
0: Let, let me take the opposite, because you, mm. you obviously see, have seen value, and that's why you're promoting education around around these uh, plants and, and medicines. But um, what
1: about... The people, who
0: who are those people, the other, that think they should be illegal still and that these are dangerous drugs?
1: So uh, there's this entity that we know as the War on Drugs. Yes. Uh, came about most strongly during the Nixon administration in the late 60s, early 70s. Just say no, came afterwards with the Reagan administration. Uh, but... Um, it really began you could you could argue that it, uh, it's ever been with us because nation states don't like to tolerate uh, people thinking creatively and for themselves that's uh, that causes a mild degree of nausea among the people who are trying to rule <laughs> because God knows what the people are going to do. you know, they stormed the Bastille they 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 made a new country called America I mean you just don't know what people are going to do when they're changing their brains like this. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, you could say with the can- whole cannabis thing, you know, Harry Anslinger was uh, sort of the d- original drug czar in the 20th century, and he took it upon himself in collusion with William Randolph Hearst, the big newspaper magnate and paper company owner, right. to demonize cannabis. And they used a lot of racism... Uh, to do that they used a lot of fear programming reefer madness and right. so forth and which has been uh, You know very sad for our possible development and the economy itself as we're we're seeing now,
0: right? Uh, if you're just tuning in this is we're speaking with Vip Short Center for Ethnobotanical Services and um, started as a library, a way to get his and a few others books out there. is actually, is there a location where are there all these books now?
1: Yes, we're located at one thirty eight main street in Springfield, so that's mm. uh, just on the western edge just before you get on the bridge to come back towards Glenwood.
0: So if you want to study about or have questions about some of the plants, things suicide and ayahuasca, cannabis, lSD, there's information about. These all, drugs
1: all that stuff, and we do have a fairly regular saturday morning uh eleven a m to one p m open house gatherings that are real stimulating we show a a video on we have a series topics that we go through um i think the 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 thing coming up now in August is going to be what we call integration practices, which means you uh you know, you take your dose, and we're not talking now about micro-dose, we're talking about macro-dose, you know, large, uh, substantial dose. The person has a journey. That's a good word. I like that you mm-hmm. use that. Um, they have an, uh, a set of experiences, um, but there are really three parts to that whole thing. Uh, most uh, people probably use this stuff, uh, these things, recreationally, and that plays into the hands of the drug war people, sadly enough. Mm-hmm. But um, when you're doing it as a personal enhancement, uh, looking for personal guidance, growth, evolution, figure out your problems, whatever that is, uh, it's best done, always good to have a sitter. We uh, You can use the term guide. Yeah. I, we don't like that so much because it implies somebody who's telling you which way to go And the whole idea is to keep it non-directed. So you need somebody who's sober, going to answer the phone, answer the door, make sure everybody stays safe. But the whole point is to uh, have this intense experience. And I mentioned there are three phases. The first would be prep, preparation. So I'm going to do this on this and such day at this time in this setting. And we learned from way back in the early 60s in the Harvard group and the People who came after that set and setting are the two biggest important factors. So you take care to create, you know, a good environment there. And you said the,
0: set and setting.
1: Yeah, set refers to your mental uh, state going in. Yeah. You know what, and 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 it's useful to to sit with yourself and go, what do I really want to know? What am I after? Or what do I need to heal? Mm-hmm. Or or what information? Um can I possibly get that would really help at this point in my life. Yeah. Uh so that's part of the, the creating the set is an important part of the preparation phase. Uh having a an easy setting where there won't be interruptions, where there won't be demands placed on the person mm-hmm. so that they can freely have their experience cuz it can become very challenging. Uh and then during the experience, of course, it's going to take somewhere, depending on the substance involved, it's going to take anywhere from 10 minutes to 12 hours. Uh, there was a drug that came out in the late 60s called, that got the name STP that really went for more like 72 hours. Wouldn't recommend it. Um, but at any rate, the experience happens, and then phase three, so that's phase two, and then fra- phase three would be what we call integration and it's it could be argued it's maybe the most important of all because you got what you got but how is it going to interface with the life that you had up to that point point? Mm-hmm. and so it's just like with any kind of therapy psychotherapy uh i happen to you know i've had a career for 36 years in town as a chiropractor and a homeopathic physician mm-hmm. and um the whole setup for any of these kind of things is, person wants change. They want to, want something to become different. They come and they do the interface with the change agent, whether it's some kind of doctor, healer, or a uh, plant substance. And then um, it's not gonna uh, have proved very worthy unless that gets integrated into the person's life. The change is is uh, sort of plowed back into the field of the person's life and um, you go forward from there. And that's the best use of these things.
0: Um, yeah, a couple of things came to mind as you talked. One, one the, the back to the set and setting. I mean, it reminds me of just dream, uh, dream therapy even. Um, if people are trying to remember their dreams or do work while they sleep. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even before you go to sleep at night to... take um, a few time for a few questions or a few things that you're working on and say, sure. hey, good night brain, you can work on this while I'm asleep. You right. Know? And sometimes it works actually, you come up with ideas uh, in the morning that, that you didn't, that are fresh, you know.
1: And uh, s- yeah. so you just mentioned two elements that I'm hearing and one is, um, the, the element of intention, yes. forming an intention, and, and people who try to work with what's called lucid dreaming, where you can actually come to a very clear state of mind within a dream and even figure out that, oh, this is actually a dream. Mm-hmm. This is, oh, this, I get it. Um, that gives you a whole lot of power to explore areas that you ordinarily can't. Uh, so that's the intention piece. The second piece is surrender. and you that was mentioned by you you know it's like uh, a good (laughs) night brain yes um i'm gonna surrender myself to an experience so that i can benefit from it
0: right and that's that's maybe this that'd be an avenue to get back to this microdosing thing because uh, i know for some people just this loss of control that's like you say oh wait now for hours i'm gonna have no you know no control. This thing is kind of uh, taking, taking, taking the reins on me. But, but with microdosing, I think it's it's a little more of just like hinted at that, and you're sort of on, just yeah, just dialing a thing, a few things back. You know,
1: it's a far, far gentler uh, way to go. Uh, I mentioned I'm a homeopathic physician, and uh, so the concept of microdosing, uh, you know, certainly didn't arise around the psychedelics. It's it's a 250 year old, uh, at least, concept that was started in Austria by a brilliant uh, medical doctor there, Samuel Hahnemann. Because um, that's but, kind of the
0: idea about, behind homeop- homeopathy
1: is using very very low, do- in fact, doses that are so low that there's no molecular amount of the original substance contained there. Mm -hmm. And people say, well, that couldn't possibly work. But those people, and they tend to be the, um, you know, the mainstream medical folks who have all their sciences rooted in biochemistry Mm -hmm. and physical, uh, types of science. Uh, but those are all based on atomic and molecular theories. Those are fine. There are other, um, There's a whole other branch of science called physics. And uh, after the Einstein years, you know, arose this whole science called quantum mechanics or quantum physics. And it was all about energy imprints, energy patterns, and possibilities of manifestation in the material world as opposed to using material substances to create manifestations. Well, it
0: makes me think about the placebo effect because... And back to intention, you know, and Mm -hmm. I do wonder about that with homeopathy sometimes. Like you're taking this, I I need to stop this particular symptom, and uh, I'm going to proactively take this pill. And that
1: any good doctor is going to get on board with placebo effect. It's one of the best things going, and it and you can also relate it to psychedelics, it's a full circle thing. You it's uh, somewhere between 30 and 35 percent. Of the time, no matter what you give somebody or what kind of mechanism you use, if it's done with within the context of here, this will help it. This will make it better. It does tend to work. Uh, so don't throw out placebo effect. It's a great thing. Yeah. Uh, However, with homeopathy there's uh, starting to accumulate enough really good science that shows that, that the action is far beyond placebo in, in most cases
0: And I see now CBD, which is a, uh, an element of, of cannabis um, has been marketing a lot for uh, yeah what what do you see what what is CBD really doing for people?
1: Well it's an excellent pain control agent. Uh, kind of a natural uh, relaxant for the body. Again, it's one of those quasi, at least, uh, native substances. And, you know, we back when I was doing my study, undergrad studies in California, very, very little was known about the, the chemistry and the drug science behind these, you know, cannabis as well as all these other things. Uh, it was fairly rudimentary. It was state-of-the-art at the time. Mm-hmm. But, for instance, people said, how does cannabis work? And science's answer was, well, there's this thing called Delta-9-THC, and that's what is, has the magic. Yeah. Uh, now we know that there's uh, at maybe as many as 200 different distinct compounds we've identified within various strains of cannabis, wow. and they all tend to work together in concert with each other. There's a name for that effect, it's called the entourage effect, and <laughs> it's found in nature. It's found in the plants that are grown, in, that grow in nature. It's not found in laboratory-synthesized drugs and chemicals. Sometimes and,
0: when they pull it out and it's like just CBD, does it work as well as when it's combined with these other things?
1: It works. Uh, uh, I'm a big proponent of CBD, and, and uh, the reason why is it does work uh, really well. It's, as I said, it's quasi-native to, to not just the nervous system but all the tissues in the body. There are receptors all throughout our body that will recognize and utilize the uh, CBD compounds, um, but to get back to this entourage effect, mm. it's really interesting to me, and I would love to uh, hear otherwise from anybody if they can show me the scientific premise, the the defendable scientific premise that says if uh, you can use a plant to get a certain uh, beneficial effect in an organism, then if you can find that one thing in the plant that does that the magic uh then that's even better that's even better we'll go make it in a lab and it'll just be that stuff yeah so uh, you know i can give you a bunch of examples one would be um you know peruvian indians eat uh, chew coca leaves and they're hauling big loads on their backs at high altitudes and they do just fine because of the help that they get from the coca leaf but then here comes uh, Western medical science and says, well, that's very interesting that they get that effect. So what's in those coca leaves? They identify cocaine hydrochloride and they you know tease that out or they learn how to just synthesize it mm-hmm. somehow. And they say, well, this is really the stuff. We know it's not very good stuff. It, it leads to a lot of problems. People's teeth fall out after a while. Uh, they get get, uh, you know big levels of paranoia etc so but
0: but chewing the leaf is more the entourage thing and getting everything and maybe
1: there are so many other compounds in in that plant Mm -hmm. so nature knows what it's doing and we have a lot of you know the term hubris right yeah Uh, you know humans have a tendency to think well, we can figure this out, and we'll we'll do better than nature. We'll do nature one better yeah. by uh, you know getting the the actual chemical that's in there. Yeah.
0: And we finally got around to legalizing cannabis uh, here in Oregon and a few other states, uh, but it's still an ongoing political debate going on throughout the country. What are the what are the likelihood that some of these other um, Substances and plants are going to see some form of legalization in the near future.
1: Excellent question. Um, and I'll start right off by saying, um, let's uh, depart a little bit from the term legalization and go instead to the term decriminalization. Uh huh. So we're starting to see what I believe is going to be a rolling um, evolutionary change in our whole society. It's going to be really big time. And we've seen it so far in the cities of Denver, Colorado, Oakland, California. And there are a whole huge number of cities right now lining up who seek to emulate what those two cities have done. Denver was the first. Uh, it legalized only and didn't. De- I'm uh, sorry, I said the word. It decriminalized the substance psilocybin. Mm. And that means... Um, Directing the law enforcement in the, that city to not bother with um, arresting, charging, prosecuting people who are simply making use of that substance. Then uh-huh. uh, Oakland came along and and did uh, quite a few steps better. They took a good long look at um, what they felt needed to be done, and it really, it, it as it turns out, the story behind it is one of the um, top aides to one of the city council members undertook what's called a heroic dose of psilocybin mushrooms. Five dried grams of psilocybin mushrooms is uh, considered the kind of gold standard for this uh, dose that's going to really push a person into an extreme visionary experience. Mm -hmm. And out of that, that person realized we can do this. It's not going to be that hard. Uh, and what you know, what he's saying we can do is we can transcend this war on drugs mentality. And uh, so what they did was they created a measure uh, citywide that says we are hereby decriminalizing all medicine plants that have these particular, Uh, that we know the chemistry in them are these particular chemical groups. And it includes the indoles or tryptamines. It includes the phenyl ethylamines, which uh, are behind things like um, uh, mescaline, uh, peyote cactus, San Pedro cactus. Uh, Also, the the club drug known as, uh, I hate to say (laughs) call it a club drug, but the MDMA, the ecstasy, which is uh, really what's called an empathogenic. It opens people up to being able to feel deeply and feel deep connection, not just with others around them, but with uh, self-love, you know. Uh, So they took these chemical groups and said, any plants or substances that would contain these and that people would use for their own personal use to enhance and to grow and to maybe treat their PTSD or their addictions or what have you, uh, we want to make it that they are not prosecutable Yeah. You're not going to get into trouble. You'll still get into trouble in Oakland if you are caught on the street trying to sell that stuff or if you're caught doing a major grow way beyond what you personally would ever use.
0: But we're running out of time a little bit. I wanted to at least... um let people know how they can get more information about the nonprofit, the website, and uh, maybe upcoming event.
1: Sure thing. Uh, so go to our website. It's the letters are e c f e s org, or you can come by our location at one thirty eight Main Street, Springfield, and uh, check out our library. Uh, become a patron. Uh, there's a ten dollar registration fee, and then you can check out any of our resources. And in the coming times, we're going to be sponsored a number of public events, and we'll be doing more of those.
0: There's a film on August 3rd, I believe. There that, is. Is that at, at the location there? It is at uh-huh. that
1: location. And uh, we have put on public events, day-long things. Uh, we had a CBD Awareness Day. We had a Kratom Awareness Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a general look at psychedelics was our, was our launch. Uh,
0: There's lots more we could talk about, Kratom. Mm-hmm. I know I wanted to get to that, but uh, we're out of time today. Uh, but thank you. We'll, maybe we'll have to do this again sometime.
1: It's been my pleasure. There's lots more to say, so I'd love to come back.
0: My guest has been Vip Short for the Center for Ethnobotanical Services. My name's Rob Tobias. This is Train of Thought. Until next time. Train of Thought is produced at Maximo Productions in Eugene. If you have comments or feedback or ideas for interviews, email me at rob at robtobias.com.